Welcome to Backcountry and Barbells. Quick tip of the cap to our show partners, guys. Sendivet Foundation. Check them out. We have an auction coming up um, May 11th in Puyallup. Check that out. If you can't get to the auction, no worries. Um, head on over to the website, uh, sendivet.org. And in that, guys, there's actually two little of those hyphen thingies. So between the D and the A and the A and the V, send hyphen A hyphen vet.org. Check them out. Send a vet foundation is focused on sending our nation's combat injured warriors on various outdoor adventures throughout the United States and around the world. Guys, the volunteers, donors, and sponsors work diligently to provide the labor to secure resources to ensure a safe and positive adventure experience. Guys, it's a cool mission. Check it out. There's lots of ways to support. You can support by checking out the website, sharing it with folks, um, and sending a vet their way. You can also fork over some cheddar. So um, you can do all that, guys, by checking out their website or coming to the auction, hanging out, and getting some great stuff. If you check out the um, Instagram feed at Backcountry and Barbells, Jeremy has posted a neat little flyer as well where you can get some more information on that if you're in the general area. But like you said, if you're not, it's worldwide, so check it out. The other partner is PR Lifting. Keep talking about it, but we will have a really cool Start Your Own Home Gym um, contest coming up soon, sponsored by PR Lifting, who, by the way, is also donating um, a barbell set with like four to 500 pounds of uh, a really nice barbell and nice bumper plates to the Sendivet um, auction. So you can get some stuff there. But, uh, you know, you can also win some free gear to start your um, home gym and more on that coming. But PR Lifting takes pride in great customer service, um, serving the Pacific Northwest, and helping you establish your personal records by just supplying and sourcing and um, fabricating some of the best gear in the area. Um, And if you're not in the Pacific Northwest, they can set you up with some cool shipping options and if you are in the pacific northwest you can also have some cool shipping options um, like free shipping Um, for me in particular living here on i-5 i've taken advantage of that um, where you know even on really small orders like a kettlebell and a super band um, free shipping which i don't know if you're going to find anywhere else so um, check them out prlifting.com quality fitness gear guys backcountry and barbells um it's a fun project for jeremy and i in this particular episode was a great one where we discuss all things uh smiling in the face of adversity and we even get into keeping a boy's attention um how to stay positive what are some of the other cool attributes that we need in camp so check it out let us know what you think and hopefully guys this show hits the mark and helps you train hunt and live the best life possible howdy guys back country and barbells uh jeremy day joe shamanic um episode three jeremy third time's a charm um no hiccups as we either uploaded our computer started the started the recording software all that stuff we we are um we are off without a hitch today sir I know we started at six and a.m. instead of a six fifteen, six thirty, six forty-five, whatever it, it turned yeah, out to it. be. <laughs> yeah, and note the time, folks. Um, the early bird does get the worm. Um, you know, uh, I think something that's important for folks to know about this podcast is the guys who are doing it. Um, you know, regular guys. I'm a um, I'm a full time school teacher. I do some personal training on the side, um, weightlifting coach. Uh, you know, I I have a, a gamut of. Um, movement perspectives that you know i'm either hobbying in or or coaching but but that's my drill and jeremy you're full-time um talk to us about uh what you're doing full-time i know it's i i tease you and i'm gonna tease you throughout the show it's um i just can't get off the fact that it's a you're a lubricant specialist and uh, (laughs) uh, uh, down the line that could make some minds wander it's 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 kind of funny but yeah i'm I uh, work for a manufacturer, um, and we manufacture lubrication equipment in the auto industry. So uh, when you go to your place to get your oil change, we manufacture stuff to pull the oil out of one vessel and put it in your car. So, oh, so no, so none of that. 
that's you know this is all industrial grade lubricants nothing that could be you know uh uh by chance uh uh brought in brought into the home and used for recreational use so i guess that's the <laughs> best way to put exactly. that exactly okay okay <laughs> yeah no it's uh it's pure. To, it's it does uh, stuff with oil. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, but yeah, not truly not products, for ingestion. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good fun job. I um, um, I'm an RM, which is a region manager. I cover 13 states in the West Coast, so I'm you know on the road quite a bit. I'm a family man, three children. <laughs> uh, kind of the same thing as you. I my hobby is hunting, and um, I seem to pick up a few other hobbies here and there on interests, but. You know, since 1990, oh gosh, what is it? 95, hunting has been my hobby, so. Cool, and, and in that time, you've picked up a couple of things that you've passed along to me, which, and again, we're, we're brainstorming some things to do, and as we're hunting, we kind of just spurred this idea of, hey, um, there's some benefit to training and getting in the woods, and maybe if we have some conversations in public, um, maybe we can benefit folks in, in a similar way that we've kind of benefited each other, and, um, you know, I think. I think the the ultimate goal here is uh, can we get folks in the woods and can we get them there um, in a ready state where they can actually enjoy it? Exactly. Yeah, and, and that that intakes that takes a lot of stuff. Um, but before we get into that, I want to let you know something, um, uh, folks who are listening. Um, we've had some interesting weather here in in Washington. So uh, as we upload these shows, you guys can backtrack a bit. We've had some interesting storms. Um, uh, early February that have caused some delays. Um, what I noticed, Jeremy, is guys with pickup trucks in Seattle, um, they don't understand that when the weather hits, they need to load that rear end a little bit. <laughs> yep, they think because they have four-wheel drive, <laughs> yes. they are king of the road. Yes, sir. <laughs> I've, I, I think... can't tell you how many guys I've seen kind of wheeling by me, you know, because I got my two-wheel drive minivan, and I'm, you know, I'm pedaling along trying to get the kids to school, and I'm seeing guys just zip by me but then they go to make that turn or whatever and i just see that rear end kick out a bit and i'm like hey bubba you better get it under control you need some weight in the back yep no i on my um way to the airport monday morning at around um i think it was 4 30 or 5 i uh i seen eight or nine vehicles off the side of the road and i want to say five of them were pickup trucks and they were all facing the traffic in the gutter <laughs> yeah and i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure old boy driving the car was like just damn four-wheel drive don't work right and yeah you know, get, get <laughs> yep. a sandbag get some weights um you know and i was having a conversation with my kids at school about this with preparedness and you know we would have, you know, we'd get 12, 14 inches when I was living in West Point, New York. And depending on when that would fall, you know, we would have two-hour delays still. And, and it's a matter of where you're going to put your resources and, and what you're prepared for and what you're used to. And, and I can give folks a little bit of credit out here for just not – it's just not normal behavior for the weather. But, um, you know, in I guess the point I'll get at too is to, though with that, you know, which we could get into our kind of hunting conversation is – uh, with your gear, it's it's only as good as how you know how to use it, though, right? So your a- truck could have four wheel drive, but dang it, if you don't if you don't have it set up right, it ain't going to do much for you. Exactly, I one hundred percent agree. Cool, and then that's just a little foreshadowing. What we'll get into, uh, maybe maybe if you do have that big big boss uh, pickup, you know, make sure you're 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 getting it going right. But um, so how did how did you spend? When you get a two-hour delay at school, um, or if Titus, for example, one of your boys there, um, if you have that extra time, right, that that's kind of granted to you. Some folks want to get a bunch of busy work. For me, when we had those two-hour delays and my kids were actually home extra, uh, me and the girls were in the garage. I was training them up, teach them how to do push-ups, and uh, actually got Charlie into some front squatting. Uh, can you look back to a snow day or, or a recent snow day with your kids and, and how you fi- find that extra time, which might seem like a hindrance at first, but then you're like, Hey, you know what? Let's make the best of the day. Yeah. You know, with me, it's a, it's a little more difficult because, um, I work out of my home. Hmm. So, and when I'm on the road three, four days a week, I have this busy work to do on the computer. So a lot of times I'll jump on that. And, um, Titus with the, with my older kids. So I have a 21 year old, a 17 and a seven. So with my older kids, yeah, we'd go out and play in the snow, throw snowballs, do that fun, you know, dink around in the weather. Or sometimes we just hunker in and just hang out and watch TV or whatever. But 
Nothing now like... with life later in life and having children, it's a little harder. So um, we kind of just hang out and sometimes well, I have to work. So well, dang job boy... gets in the way of everything. That's it. Well, I know your boy Titus is a, um, he is a ball of energy. Um, <laughs> so I want to know what you do with him when that boy's pent up inside, because he doesn't seem like inside boy at all. He needs to be out and about um, working in the grape fields or, or whatever you got in that, in that, in your garden and messing with the pups. I mean, man, he must be miserable when he's pent up inside. Yeah. You know, he loves the tablet. The kids love their tablet and you know, he is 400 miles an hour all the time. You put that tablet into him and it's like, whoa. Yeah. He slows right down. He's focused on that thing. And, um, but he does a lot of good stuff on, he, you know, those tablets, you can, they can be evil or they can be good. And we have him do a lot of good stuff on it. You know, he's got to read, he's got to do, um, play games that are educational and blah, blah, blah. But, but yeah, but when we do, when he does go outside, he's all over, he's in the garden with me for, I mean, one time I was pulling weeds and he sat there right next to me for, I think it was two and a half hours pulling weeds. Yeah, sometimes them little boys who, you know, and I think a, a bit of a passion of mine is dealing with, with, with kids in the school system. I see, you know, at the middle school I teach at, I just see a lack of, like, masculine energy, and, and I see, like, a lack of a masculine presence. And sometimes it's a, it's not that the boys don't want to focus. It's just they don't want to focus on what you want them to focus on. And you have to kind of play the trick with them to make it interesting to them. And sometimes that's a matter of presenting it in a way that, that's that's a boy appeal, not not right. so much from a different perspective. And you know what I've noticed is boys like to do work like that. If you if you can make it fun or interesting or competitive, that they'll be right next to you. And even if it's as simple as talking a little smack at them while you're doing it, or you know giving them a nudge with the elbow and, and making it a bit of a, a a different situation, not just you know being told by your mother what to do. Um, exactly. They can they can wrangle it in so. Well, yeah, and during the berries, I have, you know, a bunch of berry bushes and stuff, uh, raspberries and blackberries, and he loves going out there during the harvest, boy. <clears throat> pick and eat. Pick three, eat two. Pick three, eat two. I was like, man, your uh, little jug there never gets full, son. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Hey, that, you got to do that at the pay place, so when you go up to them funny fields somewhere, you know, some hippie's got a, um, a blueberry patch that he charges you, you know you know, $4 a pound at, that's where you eat them before you pick them. That, that's where you do it the right way. <laughs> that's right. But um, well, Get your very, money's worth. <laughs> very cool. So a little catching up here at the top of the show. Um, again, and, and the point here in, in just catching up with um, with Jeremy and having a conversation like this is just to present a little bit of um, who we are and what we're doing um, as your podcast host to just know that, um, hey, regular folks, we got kiddos we're managing, jobs we're working, and um, things that get in into the way of, of real life, just like the rest of you out there. So, um, uh, along with doing some of that, the, 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 the hope is to give you some trips, uh, excuse me, tricks and tips to, again, get you in a ready state to a- attack the woods, um, or to attack training. So hopefully we can do that. And I think Jeremy today, I thought it would be fun to just kind of discuss who we'd look for each of us and maybe someone we want to train or a training partner or someone we want to spend time in the woods with. So, um, you know, uh, sometimes your first date in the woods with a fella is the last date and you find out that this guy and date might be an interesting word. Uh, excuse me there. Uh, <laughs> your first time in the woods, your first hunting party with a fella, um, might be the last, right? Sometimes it, sometimes it's oil and vinegar. Sometimes it works out well. And it's the same thing I found, um, with training, you know, there's just some folks, no matter how much they want to pay me, um, I really don't want to work with them. And then on the other end, I will bend over backwards and do anything for some folks, um, no matter what, because uh, we work it out. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of sift through a couple qualities um, that we look for in, in folks who, who might make a good training partner, a good hunt, hunting partner, and and um, give folks something to think about before they start uh, building that hunting party. Yeah. Well, so, you know what? So, um, you said that, uh, oh, dang it. I just forgot what I was going to say, man. How does that happen? Oh, it happens. It happens all the time. <laughs> well, I'll ask you a question though. Cause um, right. in our last show, we were kind of discussing really briefly about, you know, you're always dragging folks into, a uh, 
to the new hunting party or into the new camp. And, you know, luckily last year I was invited to my first elk camp um, in your camp. I had a great time. Uh, how, do, how do you go about inviting some of these folks? Like when you first see a guy or get to go talking to him, I mean, how do you know this is a guy you want to invite to camp? Because that's tight quarters. No, it is tight quarters, and, and it's a great question. A lot of times, you know, I'll just be talking with the guy, just BSing, and um, and a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, I've never got an elk, or I've never gone elk hunting or something, and then we just keep kind of talking, and towards the end of the conversation, I'll be like, hey, why don't you come up and join our camp? You'll have a good time. You may not get your first elk or um, what have you, but you'll have a good time. We'll get you to listen to some. We'll get you in the woods and just really enjoy times. Uh, one of our hunting partners, Tim, he, um, I think I met him seven years ago. And um, we were at becoming uh, hunting instructors for um, hunting education. And we we're going through the final process and we were just talking and he, he had never got an elk, so I said, hey, come join, you know, we got to talking. I said, come on with us, and we'll have a good time. And now he's been one of our, one of my hunting partners for seven years. Another guy's uh, Dave, I think he's been eight years, and it was kind of the same thing. He had never gone hunting. He's a family guy. Um, he's got three kids, and um, I had a bow, and I said, hey, man, well, you, I'll sell you my bow reasonably priced, and I'll get a new one, and then you come to hunting camp, and, you know, eight years later, he's still there. I don't know if his wife is 100% happy that I talked him into <laughs> hunting, but because <laughs> he's got a lot of young kids, but um, he, he comes out, you know, when he can, um, and you've hunted with Dave. He was, he was in hunting camp this year, and then I think last year we went turkey hunting together, yep. but um, – but yeah, and then like you last year. But those are the three guys. I mean, those two guys have been with me for a long time. And there's been a few other guys that came through the camp. And it's just like I don't invite them back the next year because maybe their belief system or ideology of hunting isn't in line with mine. And what I really look for is guys that have the right attitude, right? And And they're kind of – happy to be there they're listening they want to get out there they want to do something get something and they just kind of have that that energy and you know with that attitude they kind of have to also i don't know not be kind of like a guy that just wants to go out there and just kill things i hear you they want to be out there enjoy the woods enjoy god's creation and just you know if they're, if they're not successful, they're happy. But there's been some guys in my hunting camp where it's been like, man, they push you out of the way to shoot something. Well, I think what you talk about is a really interesting thing where um, the, you keep saying energy. And, and just to maybe put another uh, another descriptor on that, it's just some folks have a, a positive demeanor and a positive energy about them. And, and I think in a, in a hunting camp, um, it's going to be hard. That's the one thing that people keep saying to me about this because you know i've been at it for a couple years and if you define my hunting success by by tags filled um people will probably ask me why the hell i'm still doing it what the hell's going on but um for me um that positive energy that no matter what's going to happen whether whether it's a sunny day or it's a rainy day a good day in the woods is better than a day not in the woods it's it's that kind of guy who i think it's fun in camp because what I've known, what I've noticed, whether it's with teaching, whether it's being on a, a football staff, a strength and conditioning crew, um, or in a hunting party, man, negative energy can add up quick. And sometimes it just takes one guy saying, wow, well, so-and-so took me down this hole and, and I wanted to go here, and but he wanted to go there and then it screwed up the hunt and we pushed him out. And then all of a sudden, one guy talking shit, everyone's talking a bunch of mess, and then all of a sudden the energy in camp is 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 down. So, and 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 I found that that's something that happens in all fields across everything. So I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. I just that that positive energy can can you can you smile in the face of adversity? I think is probably um, maybe one way to sum that up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very cool. And then the other thing that you said that made sense to me, which I don't see a lot of happening anymore, it's it sounds like when you talk to people, 
you actually listen to what they say. <laughs> You're not. I just, try. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. I mean, in the, you brought it up with your son and the tablet. I mean, technology's with us. It's not just kids with tablets. We're all to some degree addicted to the phone, right? So, are yeah. you actually listening to what people say, or are you somebody who's just waiting for your next chance to talk, or are you just filling time between checking your Instagram posts? So, you know. If you listen to people, they'll probably tell you what they're interested in. And, and to be honest, I mean, this conversational art is is a lost one. So to kind of piggyback on the talking and listening one, like if I can't have a solid conversation with you, you're probably not someone I want to be in the woods with because you're 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 not going to have that cell service to fill your gap, right? And 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 uh, you know, can we talk? Can we just converse about something? Are you interesting? Um, uh, and you're only going to figure that out by actually having real conversations with folks. I agree. And and sometimes you're in the woods and, and you know you're walking an old skid road and you're 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 talking quietly and <clears throat> excuse me and you're you're heading out there and and then you say, hey man, well let's go to the bottom of this hill. And a guy goes, I'm not going down there. <laughs> I'm like, well well why not? Yeah. Well, it's pretty far down there. And I'll go, okay, well, let me just throw off a bugle and see if we can get something to respond. I'll throw out a bugle and then I'm, and then you hear something down at the bottom of the hill and like, oh man, there's a bull down there. Let's get down there. And he's like, dude, that's way too steep. I'm not going down there. Yeah. And there is nothing more. I'm like, you're not going down there. (laughs) There's a damn bull down there. And you know, and it just, and then all of a sudden you're arguing over going to do what you came out to do and that is to harvest an animal and it's just it ceases to amaze me that you know I've actually been in those situations mm. yeah it, and so it, they have to have that mental toughness too is an <clears throat> excuse me is, is another thing on on my top three is you know if you're not mentally tough then you're going to look down there and say no because he's saying that he doesn't want to go down there because it's hard to get down there and if we get something we have to pull it out so yeah, and you'll hear this, I guess, you know, <laughs> with guys who, you know, and on that same note, I'm with you on that one. It's like to take it, you know, you want to be able to get out of the truck, and I, I have this kind of mental wrestling going on about again why I'm into this, and I thought it was always for the meat and you know, um, getting a trophy and and being on that, but the more I do it. I'm finding that it's just the experience of doing what you just said to, to go to a spot that people haven't been to do the hard stuff. I mean, I, on that first elk camp, I completely fell in love with that kind of nasty Western Washington thick. You can't see five feet in front of you terrain. And it's just a matter of me thinking, man, how many people have done this? You know what I mean? Um, and, and in that same regard, it's the same thing with training, right? I mean, to be successful in it and, to stress your body, you have to push your body somewhere it doesn't want to go for it to recover so it can get to that new place. I mean, when you talk about training, it's stressful. And it, it, how do you push that stress in the right way um, where it challenges you enough to grow? And to do that, it takes a bit of a mental toughness where you have to trust the people around you. You have to deal with adversity. You have to you have to fight failure in a positive way and, and, and keep plugging forward. So I love that idea of just mentally tough. Um, do you, from a hunting standpoint, uh, you know, with the training, you keep pushing. you got a good coach. You can work through it. But uh, from a hunting standpoint, are there ways to develop it if you're just not there yet? Like, you know, like, for example, Titus or my boy, you know, they're obviously just not going to have the, the resolve that a grown man's going to have because they don't have the perspective. So how, how might you go about developing that? Well, really, you just got to jump in and do it, you know? Sure. You got to get in the woods and you got to go, I don't want to go down there. And then you go, well, you know what? There could be an animal down there. And you just get down there and then you, on your way out, you do it and then you get accomplish it just like in weight training, right? You, you're like, man, I got to push this up, do this bench press 10 times at 225 or whatever. And you get it like seven and you're like, oh man, I don't think I could do it. But then you get eight and then you get nine and you get 10 and you're like, I'll be damned. I did it. Yeah. And that's the same thing. That's how you get yourself mentally tough. Another thing I do that it's kind of weird for mental toughness is that 
I visualize myself in my early years. I did a lot of visual visualization just because coming from the skateboarding world. So it, in the, my early years of hunting, I would sit there and envision myself going down this steep mountain and then coming out. And then I, I visualize every aspect of it. And I'm talking about one foot in front of the other, the pack heavy, pushing my back down. But I just visualize myself persevering and coming out of that. And um, it really helps on the mental toughness because well, you've already developed some kind of mental or muscle memory in your mind, right? It's a mental rep. I mean, you'll see this in you'll see this in a training or sports psychology fields or even in like therapy. Like, you know, you you generally I think a great way to build mental toughness or resolve or get the mental reps you're talking about is do what you can do now and then do a little bit more the next time. And, you know, if that means you have to kind of visually put yourself on a mountaintop or how you scale it and walk through those reps, go for it. And then then you go in the backyard and you walk up the hill and then slowly you, you um, it's a steeper grade and you up the terrain and you can get there. So, um, you know, that's another way to go about it, you know, and whether – you can take any sport and go through that stuff. I mean, we had a um I remember when when I was playing college football, we would we would have a little visualization before games, you know, the coach would put us through that and and walking through, you know, what the kickoff's going to be like and and kind of going through the game plan and then even now with weightlifting, um, you know, when I'm getting people ready for the platform, you know, a lot of it in between reps at a at a weightlifting meet, you might have 3 to 10 minutes before between competition attempts on the platform and yeah you're going to take some warm-up attempts but what what gets a lot of weightlifters really screwed up and what really can diminish their performance is they don't know what to do with their time anymore um in between reps and and in that two in that three to ten minutes between your competition of reps you should be thinking exactly or visualizing as you put it exactly what you'd be doing and man those mental reps will will focus you in a way and get you comfortable with, with really uncomfortable situations. And if something surprise happens, if you've practiced that mentally, you're in a, you're in a better state to, to handle those things. I agree. And that kind of rolls over to my third um, thing I look for. And that's the physical. Is this guy in shape enough? Can he get up there? Or is he willing to get in shape and willing to put in the hard work? I mean, we put in, I don't know, 14 to 20 some miles a day. And the Cascades are, can be steep, nasty. I mean, muddy. Yeah. Remember that first hike we went on and we walked down to the bottom of that. I mean, there was areas where we're like, okay, how are we going to get down this? And then you just start going and sliding. <laughs> the terrain dictates it. Yeah. You're going to go this way. Yeah. And then when we got to the bottom and uh, we saw a bunch of elk sign, oh man, that was cool. We got kind of a little, you know, got all pumped up and we're like, then we looked up and we go, dang it, we got to climb up that. Now we got to go up. <laughs> and so we're heading straight up that sucker and yeah, I mean, so you got to have that physical aspect of it because without the physical, I don't think you really can have the mental and the attitude because... When you're broken down and you're tired and you're exhausted, your mind's telling you, you cannot do anything. Sure. So you have to tap into the mus- the mental, you have to tap into the attitude, and you have to say, you know what, I can do it because I can do anything. Then it's true, you can do just about anything. I mean, you got to do it smartly. You can't just go, you know, work out for two weeks and then go hunting and then throw a hundred pound or 130 pounds of meat on your back and then walk out of the bottom of one of these canyons. It just ain't going to happen. Sure. So, so again, um, it's that incremental escalation and, and are you, are you putting that prep time in well in advance? Cause it's the same thing when I was coaching football, everybody wants to win in August, but <clears throat> I would ask the kids all the time after the season ends, you know, when we roll back in after January, I'm like, okay, well who wants to win now? Are you going to put the work in now for August so we can be for prepped and ready for it. So, um, and you could tell the kids that weren't right. When they come back into the training camp or they come back to the first day and you know, you're like, okay, we're running lines and you can tell the ones that aren't prepared. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that shows up in camp. I mean, you probably would look at a, you know, cause you know, when you're, 
the elk hunting, at least the way we had done it in camp, as I experienced it, it is work. I mean, like you said, we're covering miles, we're up and down. Um, sure, we're, there's sometimes we're, we're walking on a road, but I mean, a lot of that time is in woods, um, in tight spots, up and down, slipping, sliding. I mean, um, when I was uh, one of the other fellows who came to hunt in camp, um, Chad, who I got to follow around with, I'm telling you, that day that I felt like we covered 20 dang miles and just kind of chasing him through the woods was something else. But um, even more than just having the physical preparedness to go up and down the mountain, um, what I noticed, what really paid off for me was through training, I had a particular resiliency to make up for mistakes that I was making. Um, not paying attention to where I was a couple of times, having some nasty falls. And um, I'm telling you, I think a, a lesser a lesser version of myself, um, there were instances where I probably should have broken ankle or, um, had, had a pretty good injury, but luckily, um, solid training base, we had some resiliency and we bounced back from it. Um, so in that regard, I can see that physical preparedness being, um, something that I won't let slip because man, if I was in lesser shape, I, I could have seen some injuries coming, coming through. Yeah, and then when you get an injury and you're that deep in the woods and you're down in that thick stuff, <clears throat> and if you would have broke a leg and then everybody else would have had to come and help mm-hmm. you out, I mean, it just, I mean, accidents do happen and eventually it, it may happen. But sure. if you're physically prepared, like you're saying, you're going to reduce the, um, you're going to reduce the uh, injuries that you might have out in the field. So, yeah. And the likelihood of them. So I think, you know, everyone, you know, in the same respect that people might want to go into hunting to fill tags, you know, a lot of people get into training because they want the big muscles and the big totals. But, you know, honestly, I think one aspect of it, whereas if you can start where you're at and just build some sort of a skill set, I think the benefit in terms of, um, you know, you could call it prehab, you could call it injury prevention, um, you know, you can call it, you know, base building, but, but that aspect of, of training, I think is, is really, it, there's an under focus on, on the little things that you can do from day to day that can really build some resiliency that, that can serve you in the woods. And I, I would, I would say a simple one that, that, that I would look for in a guy when I'm kind of just kind of like on the outskirts, if I'm really sizing up a guy, I might just try to whittle with them through conversation and find out how much time they spend on their feet. You know, oh, I mean? yeah. like, like, do you stand all day? Do you sit all day? You know, if you know, how many steps do you get? And maybe just kind of have this kind of conversation. Yeah, do you have a standing desk? Because ultimately, if you're a guy who spends over your 24 hours a day, eight sleeping, then then the other eight, um, you're sitting at a desk, and then the other eight, you're you're sitting at your your dinner table or or you're on the couch. Well, you're not just going to jump up in the woods and be able to spend you know, 12 to 14 hours on your feet stomping through the woods. So um, I just want to know if you're on your feet, you know, how do you spend your, your, your downtime? Right. No. And, and, and that's it. And like with me, I travel so much, so I'm sitting on my rear a lot, but I, you know, I try my best to wake up in the morning, hit the gym and do those things and get on my feet because I know that I'm going to be on my rear all day long. Sure. So, um, and, and you can tell with the guy and, and when we go out or I'm talking to a guy and I'm sizing him up, I'm like, you know, this is very physically demanding stuff hunting in this timber. I mean, I didn't have the conversation with you because I mean, you're like a solid rock, but most guys I'm like, you know, we're going to go, we can climb 3000 feet in a day and descend 3000 feet. We could put 14 miles on, we could put 23 miles on. So you have to be prepared and I think two years ago I put an exercise program to everybody and shot it out there because we got um, three new guys into camp. So I wanted to let them see what I was doing to prepare. And I don't do a whole lot of heavy lifting type stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. I I throw the weight in my pack and I do this, but I do specific things to train my legs, my lower back and my shoulders and everything. And I only lift twice a week. Sure. Sure. I do my legs one day and I do my upper body another day. But on the other days, I do hiking with the pack with weight in it. And I usually won't do it for – my regimen is – I think I go with weight. With weights, I do it six months. And then without weights, I don't use weights with six months out of the year just because I – 
damaged my body so much during my skateboarding and football and all that other stuff. So yeah, and you know, honestly, barbell training can can really beat you up. And if you're in pursuit of you know big totals and whether it's a powerlifting total or a weightlifting total, I mean, it's a it's a pursuit that can really can can tear you up and break you down. And I think you have to do it smart. So. Um, I know for me with my regiment, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get three strength days in a week, um, early in the morning, like today I'm in the garage at five, um, doing some stuff. Um, and then I generally have some type of a thing that I just like to do for fun. So right now we're not in hunting season. Um, I'm kind of tinkering around with jujitsu that I do two evenings a week and it's just different. It, it's more of a stress relief and an, uh, an itch. I feel like I need to scratch, but in terms of like the strength training that I do right now, I keep things really simple and it's really, um, you know, I'm going to do something for the lower body. I'm going to do some kind of press and some kind of pull. And, and, and it's, and it's really that simple. And I'll generally superset some of those things with like, you know, different, different prehab drills, um, and, and different kind of, you know, I'll, I'll superset it with box. I'll superset my squats with box jumps. I'll superset my bench press with, um, I have these crossover symmetry series bands where I'll do some kind of banded snow angel type movements, um, to, to build some shoulder stability. And then when I get into my deadlifts, I'll, I'll do some other back exercises. So, you know, and when I roll through that, that workout generally, once I get into my nice routine, it takes 45 minutes to an hour and it's what I get in. But the, the general base that I'll build, um, in terms of capacity and in and, and general health, it's it's not really created in the weight room as much as it's created in having also good lifestyle habits that would support the training. Because the one of the worst things you can do is you know you you've done everything right in terms of getting up in the morning and you've done everything right in terms of maybe getting a good program and then really putting effort into it. But then what do you do on the back end of that training to promote the right recovery so you can take advantage of the hard work you've put in? And I think oftentimes that's another aspect that, that's that's overlooked. So, um, oh, it went down a little rabbit hole training right there. Training. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> there we go again. A <laughs> little something y'all got to look forward to there. So we'll, we'll get that going. But, um, yeah, so you know that's what I see, especially for guys our age. Because here's the other thing. We're not, you know. I'm not old by any means. You're not old by any means, but we're also not spring chickens. We're not. We're not. We're not early thirties, late twenties, um, where no. where we can just make mistakes and, and go off jet fuel that we don't have anymore, right? So you got to do things a little smarter. You absolutely do, and 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 you know, kind of touching on the workout program you're doing, you have that. When you're going through that physical part, and you're he- lifting heavy weights, and you're yeah. you got the last few sets and you're building on that mental toughness. 100%, yeah. Just just I mean inadvertently and then you could just roll that over to hunting. Well, if I can do you know 700 pounds or whatever on a squat, I can climb a mountain. Yeah, well, yep, yeah, right? hopefully. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, you're just building on your your it's the building blocks on all that stuff and then it, it creates a good attitude. You're going to have a positive attitude because you disciplined yourself to do to wake up like you you get up at five in the morning you do your workouts you get the kids you do you figured out that time block where it works best for you and doesn't affect or um get in the way of your family life sure well i'll tease you a little bit a guy with a 700 pound squat he might have a hard time getting up the mountain (laughs) just because certain body types in this powerlifting community to get a 700 pound squat you you got to be uh pretty specialized but they might be able to do it there's there's a couple guys who are doing it right but um, um well i thought that's what you're at man no no I mean, you carried no, out sir. a half an elk last year for like two miles <laughs> well in fact i'll tell you i'll tell you what i'll i'll give you something too i had to adjust training during um during elk season i found that the barbell did not mix very well so back squats um so one thing i actually took back squats out of the training regimen and because my I was taking so much load with the pack I took the barbell out of the squat. So what I have, what I do the squats now, um, I'll either do like some lunge variation. I found that that's a better carryover for hunting. But the other thing, if I just want to go pure leg strength, I have what's called a belt squat. Have you ever heard of a belt squat? I have not. So what I do is I stand on these. I don't have a, you can get like a really fancy belt squat machine and some clubs have them. I don't have the machine. I have, I have what, um, you might refer to as the redneck belt squat setup. 
<laughs> so I, I got this thing from a group called Spud Inc. And I would tell anyone, check their website out. If anyone's looking to build a home gym, uh, Spud Inc., um, he's, they're based out of uh, Columbia, South Carolina, where I used to live. But uh, he's got these big straps and different things that you can utilize in the home gym. Well, it's like a big, thick belt. And what I can do with this belt is rather than put the barbell on my back, the weight hangs um, below me. So I stand oh, okay. on uh, I stand on a platform, and the load's below me. So if you can imagine, I can do loaded squats without my back taking on the load. Um, and for anyone training early in the morning, it's a great variation because you don't need as much warm-up. Um, you can just focus on pure leg strength. You can do a lot more high-rep stuff. And um, um, it actually promotes really good squat form. So I've, maybe I'll have to, um, as we get this show together, um, we'll link some of these exercises on the Instagram accounts and some things like that. And you guys can see versions of it. But look up the belt squat, man. It's one of my favorite squat variations, especially for anyone who's you know, got some back issues. You don't want to put weight on your back. Um, if you're doing something else that's super stressful and you just want some like low level loaded squat variation, I think it's a really good, good option for folks. No, that's yeah. And I think it's a great idea to post them on there and get it out to the real world and and show them what you do. Yeah, we're doing it. We'll we'll do that one day. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I think, you know, kind of shifting gears a little bit, we're, um, on the future podcast, you know, these first three, we're kind of talking about who we are and just kind of having an open conversation and, and, and having fun, which we're always going to do. But in future podcasts, we're really going to focus on, you know, there's 14 topics that I have that I'm going to focus on. And, um, and just to kind of give you a, a few of them, we're going to be talking about gear and preparation, safety, animal behavior, Quiet versus loud in the woods, calling, tracking, field dressing. I mean, we're going to hit a multitude of um, topics, and we're going to kind of – I'm going to divest into them pretty deeply and kind of let everybody know what I think has helped me with my success and what I've known that helps with other people in their success. So, No, I love it. And, you know, here the, I'll just ask you a quick question about one of them. Um, you know, there's different times to be loud. And there's different times to be quiet in the woods. And like, um, you know, we're going after a little black tail and it's like, hey, shh. But then yeah. when we're out there hunting elk, we're beating, we're beating, we're, we're trying to find stumps and beating logs on them. We're, you know, we're out there calling, doing stuff. And, you know, knowing your animal and knowing when to do what to do, it, it's different. It is different. And those animals, like, you know, when I hunt elk, I am not quiet because elk are big animals and they take one step and they take three of my steps. Sure. So sometimes you have to chase them down, right? You have to find them and to find them, you have to cover a lot of gland with deer way more quieter. You got to figure out, you know, the, the pockets where they're going to bed down or where they're going to feed. And it's a little bit different. And then you got to kind of still hunt your way in there because they're extremely spooky because they're quiet animals. Elk are loud animals. So I'm not worried about my noise with elk unless I get into a clear cut or an area where it's kind of open and I have to get into a stock and stock, a spot and stock situation. So and I'll say, you know, talk a little bit. That That's probably my preferred way of doing it. It's cool. It's really it's really cool to see the animal. And it's really cool to come up on them and to watch them behave where they don't know you're there. I mean, we've all kind of come up on deer in the neighborhood, and they're on you. And you can see that they kind of freeze up, and they're just kind of looking at you and sorting you out. And then you get close enough, and they turn and run. But when you're out in the woods and just... You know, this elk camp, although I didn't fill my own tag, it was really cool. We saw that bull, um, which was really fired up. Um, I, me and Chad had a cow come up on us at about eight yards. She snuck up on us, which was wild. I guess we were making some noise, and she was curious. And then, um, you know, um, obviously we got into your hunt where, where we saw we saw those cows doing their thing. And there's something really cool um, about seeing animals do their thing in that regard. So, um yeah, and it's it's interesting when you watch them in a group, sure. right? Because one will be feeding, one is alert, one is feeding, one is alert looking in the other way. I mean, they're all, it's like they're working in this kind of unity that you're like, my gosh, they're working as a group and they're not talking. Sure. Like we work in a group and we're like, okay, you go down the hill <laughs> and I'm going to walk around here and we're going to go through this. and Nine they, here different these, hand signals no one remembers. 
Yeah, exactly. And he's like, what did you say? And you're throwing your hands up. What are you trying to say? And I'm like, point and go down the hill. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's it's really cool to watch. And, and the more you watch those animals, the more you learn. And then you can start thinking about it and going, how would I sneak up on a herd like that? Hmm. Right? So the more you get into these animals the more you're going to get um, a picture in your mind and the more able you are to put on a hunt and still hunt or whatever and get up on these animals. And the same thing with calling because we, we heard quite a sev- several bulls this year. Sure. None of them really wanted to come in and play because they just, you know, we get a nine-day window, I believe it is, here in the state of Washington, and they're either going to be in the pre-rut or they're not. So um, – Sometimes, like when we were hunting, basically it was just all locations. They were trying to figure out the pecking order. Who, what bull is who? Where are you at? What are you doing? Does he have cows? You know, so it's kind of interesting. Like the bull we saw, right? I threw out a bugle and what, who responded? It was uh, the cows did. In the, 12, in, about 10, 10 to yeah. 12 cows just started mewing like crazy and they started coming in at us. And I blew that one. I should have just... I should have just kept bugling because I think I kind of came in more of a dominant bull because there was two bulls down in there with the herd, mm-hmm. but those cows started mewing like crazy and coming up to us. So we had that. I know I had that. I had that. I had that. Uh, <coughs> you call it bull. I know buck. I know buck fever, but I had that bull fever. All I could all I could think about was those bulls. <laughs> or I didn't think about those those cows. I, I, seeing that guy stare me down, and you saw you saw my reaction. The first listen. You all think you know what you're going to do when you see your first bull, but you have no idea. First time I saw one, I squatted right back down. Didn't I w- it was a weird feeling. Uh, fight or flight kicked in, and, and I went down. Um, so. Well, and it, it was one of the coolest things to ever see. I'm like, here, get up on this log and look. Yeah. And then Joe gets up there, and he stands up. He gets down. Yep. He stands up. So now he's doing squats, <laughs> and he right. does about 30 of them. And I grab his coat, and I go, Joe. You got to either commit to standing That's up That's it. or just squatting down because <laughs> he's going to see you. <laughs> but you got that. I could see the excitement. You were, I mean, the look on your face, the intensity. I mean, it was like, oh, no, he's going to have the fever now. Yeah, it, I, it's 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 game over for you. Yep, that was enough for me. Um, it definitely, you know, besides all the other good things, it definitely it made me a lifer. Um, and I, I, I laugh about it and I tell it, you know. That elk camp turned me into a recreational weightlifter. I mean, a hundred percent, at least six times, at least six months out of the year. I mean, I used to be doing um, a lot of weightlifting competitions and trying to be competitive with it. But man, I I can't think that 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 camp really really changed things for me and put things in perspective. And right now, if if you called me up and said, "Hey, you got a chance to to um, compete at." you know, this event and go there or, or we're going to go to camp and, and go after some animals. It, it's a no brainer for me. Um, it's an unbelievable experience. And that, that, that shot of, that shot of lightning I got when I saw that bull, um, was like nothing I've ever felt in my life. So, um, you know, I guess wedding, wedding night, babies being born aside. I, yeah. Gotta put <laughs> in that the hunting world. <laughs> gotta put that out there in case the wife's listening. Right. So we'll right. throw that out there. But, uh, well, Jeremy, man, this was fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to getting into some of these topics. I know um as I look into what I'm gonna bring to the show, it's again I kinda mentioned some of it, you know, how do you smartly add training and lifestyle habits to just put you in a nice ready state and you know, some of that includes some neat shoulder maintenance, you know, opening up the hips, you know, different different technique variations on different exercises. I think we snuck some of that in there with the discussion on the belt squat. So it'll be similar stuff to that. And I think along the way, anyone kind of paying attention and listening to the show, you'll, you'll pick up something and um, get to know us and, and get to know how we hunt. And, you know, it'd be really cool if um, anything that we could pass along to you guys listening to the show, um, just get you in the woods or get you happier or, or um, you know, get you, um, get you right. Um, that, that, that's the ultimate goal of this podcast. Yeah. And I, I think what people are really going to find out as they listen to us and hear, and if, you know, hunting is hard, but it's sure. not that hard. It's like we can make else. it as, as humans, we can, <clears throat> excuse yeah. me again, we can make it way harder than it really truly needs. But more importantly, hunting that five days out of the year 
can change your whole life in the aspect that you're looking forward to those five days and you're going to physically get in shape. So a guy that's sitting on the couch and he's gaining too much weight and he wants to do something, I would invite you to start hunting because those five days a year will give you a goal to meet mm. and so that you're physically in shape and your life will change because once you get in physically cha- physical shape, you're going to have – you, you know, your mental capacity is going to be better and your attitude is going to be way better and your whole family is going to benefit from it. <clears throat> it's the one thing. Gosh, dang it. Sorry. You have that frog. <laughs> it's, it's the one thing that really keeps me in shape throughout the whole year. And once I started doing it, I mean, I, I got overweight. I was like 250 pounds and or 240 something. But my wife and I went on a hike and it was it was a game changer. And I'll go into the story one of these days. But after that, I was like, I can, if I was to go hunting here and it was three months until hunting, I I couldn't do it. I'd be a ridge hunter. I'd be hunting all the ridges. I wouldn't be going down and I wouldn't be successful. So it'll give you a, a reason or a goal or a point to stay in shape all year. And like I said, it'll just help you with your mental capacity and your attitude and everything. We, we all need that thing, right? Yep. I mean, absolutely. And if hunting's for you, it's like it's become for me, and and how it is for Jeremy. Um, I think we can help you do it better. So that that's the big goal. So if you like what we're listening, if you like what you're listening to, um, however you're tuning in on your um iTunes machine or wherever you find your podcasts, uh, you know, um, review, subscribe, tell your hunting and training buddies what we're talking about, and um, man, find a way to interact and um. That's probably the best way right now as we kind of sort out uh, what we're doing with this process. But um, like I said, um, here to help, here to share, and um, here to get you uh, ready to attack the woods, Jeremy. But uh, as always, sir, um, good stuff, my friend. Yep. Thanks for another fun dialogue, and we'll look forward to the next one, which will be talking about gear. Okay. Clothing, let's... methods, firearm, archery, muzzle, whatever. Let's get right so. into the gear. I mean, hey, I w- I've been texting you. I want to get out and find me a couple squirrels, right? So I might need to get me <laughs> some kind of air gun or a twenty two or some kind of shotgun. I think I just want to spend money. So we'll work that out, which is yeah. something you can do. So this gear conversation will be really helpful. But um, well, cool, man. Um, well, this is uh, Joe Shimonic. I'm Joe Shimonic, and that's Jeremy Day. This is uh, Back Country and Barbells. Uh, signing off and wishing you uh, happy ventures folks great show guys um, we thought so hopefully you think so if you have some comments to make about the show please review it let us know what you think share it with your friends talk about it on your blog um, whatever it takes thank you very much um, and while you're at it you might as well go visit sendavet.org um, they need a little bit of help while we're doing the show and PR lifting they want to help you with great products and service for your home gym, commercial gym, whatever you're doing. Um, but only if it's functional gear that you need. Um, we're talking resistance gear, the real stuff. But awesome stuff, guys. Joe Shamanic here, Jeremy Day, signing off. Train, hunt, and live, guys, the best lives possible. <laughs>